Why do you linger here when there is no hope? There is still hope. My Gavanin and Srilide to all my elf friends. I am Tani Tenuville the resident KUCI Middle Earth Elf, and welcome to What Would Arwen Do? This fair, fair Wednesday morning, March 9th, 2016. Can't you believe it? It's March, the month of spring, the month of my birthday, the month of March winds, and we've certainly been having quite a bit of that. So welcome. The music that you heard at the beginning of the show here was the Academy Award-winning music of Howard Shore from The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. This is What Would Arwen Do? I am the resident KUCI Middle Earth Elf. Golly gee whiz. It's 2016 and... I started here in 2005, so this coming June will be 11 years here at KUCI. Amazing. If you'd like to get involved in case you are a student, faculty, or staff, or even interested community member, perhaps, please give us a... Um, send us an email at training at KUCI.org. Coming up in just about a month, our next DJ training will be taking place. We have one every quarter, and so our shows change around a little bit. This is the show where we ask, I ask, if a Middle-Earth elf, as in Lord of the Rings, Middle-Earth elf lived today in Southern California, what might her life look like? How would she, as a modern elf, celebrate and support the arts, music, her community, caring for the planet and its creatures in Elvish? The planet is called Arda, beautiful word, for a beautiful place. And so that's what it's all about. It's um, There's always um, a little Middle-earth fun. I love the movies. I love the books. I came to the books Through the movies, I fell in love with the elves at a time when I was, as a Christian, struggling in my faith. It was was 2002 when I really discovered Fellowship of the Ring, March of 2002, but that was right on the heels of 9-11 in, uh, you know, September of 2001, and our country was going to war and retaliating, and many Christians were advocating um, war, and that just wasn't resonating with me. And so I kind of thought, when I saw the elves, I thought, oh my gosh, they embody what is so wonderful. And then when I read about them and found that uh, J.R.R. Tolkien actually intended that his elves would be a metaphor for what was best and noblest in humans. And I started my little experience experiment of my life as an elf 
And it has now turned into a grand adventure. And my life has been transformed on so many levels. I no longer have um, a, a weight problem, which nobody ever believes <laughs> that I ever could have, um, or at least people that I've known in the last 10 years, because I'm just kind of a little thin thing. And I'm no longer afraid of dragonflies. And I've discovered archery and yoga, which is, I think, the elves were doing yoga before it was called yoga. So anyway, a lot of times little experiments can turn into grand adventures. So I would love to hear from you. If you'd like to send me a little email missive, you can email me at askanelf at yahoo.com, askanelf at yahoo.com. So as I mentioned, uh, coming up in April, we'll be starting a new quarter And what happens very often is that shows get moved around because we broadcast from the University of California in Irvine. And so we have thousands and thousands. I think we're, I don't know, the last count I heard was around 60,000, 30,000. Anyway, students, faculty, staff, we're like a small city here. Well, maybe a large city, actually. And so most of the... uh, We're all volunteers here, and most of us are students or faculty or staff. There's also um, some of us community members mixed in, and it's always a wonderful, amazing, changing, melting pot environment. So each quarter, especially as people's schedules and school schedules change, shows get moved around, new ones come on the air, some go away as people graduate and uh, or move away or get jobs and move away. So please consider getting involved with KCI. We will be having a fund drive coming up, I believe, in uh, April. No, I'm sorry, not April, May. And that's always a time to partner with us because we are uh, supported by the community, by the um, university, but also greatly by the community. So, and anytime you want to donate, please check out our website at KUCI.org. We are always up for a donation and uh, maybe let us know what's your favorite program or what programs you listen to. So enough about that. Today I wanted to talk to you. And so I'm not sure if I'm going to be here next quarter. Um, I feel a little bit like J.R.R. Tolkien might have felt when he was writing Leaf by Niggle about um, this this man who felt that he had a journey to go on and he wasn't exactly sure when that was going to happen. Well, mine isn't necessarily a journey, but it's certainly something that I need to do. So we will see what will happen, but I will be with you for the next three weeks. And so I thought, well, if I'm only here for the next three weeks, what are the three most important things I would like to share with my listeners? And for today, well, if you've been listening or following along with me for any amount of time, you know that I um, am very passionate (laughs) that people would wake up to who they are and discover that they are beloved. And not that I'm trying to convert anyone to believing in God. Of course, J.R. Tolkien was a Catholic. C.S. Lewis, his dear friend, was Christian. And I am a Catholic Christian. 
was a, just an evangelical for 30-something years, recently joined the Catholic family, and it's been a wonderful, joyous um, thing to do. But my main passion is that people would wake up to how beloved they are, beloved by God, beloved by the universe, but, you know, your higher power, um, but beloved. Yes, I don't know. There's just something about that word. And it's something in my own life that I'm always struggling with, partly because we get messages from all over the place, whether it's from our family, our siblings, the media, the magazines saying we're not pretty enough, we're not smart enough, we're not successful enough, we don't work hard enough, we're not disciplined enough, we're not confident enough, uh, we don't have the right breaks, we don't know the right connections. I just would like to let all of that go and get in touch with who I really am and what I'm really here for. And in my deepest heart, I believe that that is love, that I was here for love and I was here to spread love. And so, um, and to help others awaken to that. So I'm still figuring out how to do that. One of the ways that I uh, try is through the help of the saints, Therese of Lisieux, who wrote uh, her autobiography, Only Lived to Be 23 Years Old, um, The Story of a Soul, and her way was the little way of love. And she talks about how there's little things we can do throughout the day. We don't always do big things. Even Mother Teresa who in uh, of Calcutta, who did big things, said... Uh, of us, none of us can do big things. We can do little things with love. And Therese, St. Therese, always helps me to find the little way of love when, you know, someone's honking at me or in the parking lot or someone's um, trying to run over me in the parking lot or someone is being demanding and I'm called on to be patient and loving or I'm being treated as if I'm invisible. So, she gives me lots of opportunities, shows me lots of opportunities to manifest love in the world that I would not normally recognize. So today, I want to tell you a little bit. Okay, so I had an, um, doing the, uh, the Elvish Adventure Report last night, I went to Scape Gallery down in Corona Del Mar, the show that comes on right after this in just about 43 minutes from now, Writers on Writing. One of my favorite shows has been on KUCI for a long time. If you listen to Writers on Writing, and especially you listen to the podcast, it's like getting an MFA in writing. It really is. Amazing, amazing people. So Barbara DeMarco Barrett, and her co-hosts, Nicole and Marie. Marie Stone, I believe, is going to be here this morning at 8. Um, bring you great uh, authors and agents and all kinds of things, everything you want to know about getting published. Well, last night, Barbara, I think it's every couple of months, has the sal uh, writer Salon, the Pen on Fire Writer Salon. And last night, her guests were T. Jefferson Parker and Elizabeth... Oh, no, I'm, I'm so terrible. I forgot the other author's name, but she was wonderful. Barbara actually interviewed her last week. They were both there, both had their books, and it was amazing because the one woman um, had just published her first novel, 
And T. Jefferson Parker, it was the release date of his 22nd novel. So he got the perspective of someone who was just getting into the world of novel writing, although had been in the world of writing for some time. And before the show ends, I will get you... Um, I'm just having a little brain glitch, and I thought I had written it on my notes, but I didn't. Um, the name of the other author, a fascinating woman. She's been in journalism, but finally decided that she really wanted to write a novel. And it's amazing about um, life down in San Diego and what happens, you know, with a family and going to war and coming home. And then here's T. Jefferson Parker, who wrote, wrote Laguna Heat and... And 20, 22 novels and getting their different perspectives on the craft of writing and their experience. And it was just amazing. So, and Barbara was there and Marie was there. And Hallie, Haley Hovner was there, the uh, most darling elf girl in the world who I had the great pleasure of interviewing um, quite a few months ago. She is a gym, um, does hooping, and she does Cirque du Soleil, like a child's Cirque du Soleil, and um, just, just, it was just a delightful evening. And part of that is because I'm feeling that call of the writer. Now, as this wonderful woman, Elizabeth, has been writing for years and years in journalism, the elf has just been filling up journals. And I journal, I started writing journals Mm, I don't know, 15, there's something years ago. It started with, because um, I was an editor at the time. And so when you edit, you don't generally, sometimes you don't work on your own work because you're spending all your time working on other people's work. But people were always telling me, Tani, you should write something. Tani, you should write something. So um, I got a hold of this book called The Artist's Way by... Um, Julia Cameron, amazing book, and it has this practice called the morning pages, where every morning you write, I think it's two full pages or four pages, just dumping the things out of your brain so you can get to the good part. And I believe it's an exercise that's used quite often for writer's block. Well, I don't know that I had writer's block because I wasn't actually a writer yet, but it began a practice for me that has stayed with me all this time. I discovered that I really enjoyed journaling, especially in the mornings. Um, part of it was getting all that stuff out of my brain so that I could just move through my day. But I also began to, as I looked back at them, um, I would think, oh, gosh, I that was uh, interesting when that was going on in my life and what I was thinking. And so it just kind of um, turned into journaling and you know, as sort of diaries. And also I discovered a book at that time, which I want to share with you this morning called Leaving a Trace. And again, this was right after, um, right after 9-11. And I remember thinking... Uh, about all the people who, as when the Two Towers incident happened, that there were people who went to work that morning and never came home. Sisters, brothers, moms, dads. And abruptly, abruptly someone was snatched out of so many lives. And I think all of us, um, I remember calling my mom and... um Actually, my mom wasn't, wasn't, I called my daughter that day. Um, my mom was already gone, but I thought about her. Um, but I called the people that I really cared about just because I felt like I needed to connect with them and make sure they were okay. 
um, even though they weren't anywhere near uh, the area. And But it was interesting because I found... Um, a. I had found a book called Leaving a Trace. It's called On Keeping a Journal, The Art of Transforming a Life into Stories. And I remember when 9-11 happened, there was something I, I read about someone who found a drawer with some things that their um, their, their loved ones loved one had. And they, and they were thinking about how this was all that they had of them. Now that person was gone and all of a sudden their favorite sweater was really important or um, a toy that they used to, you know, a little toy that they used to keep on their desk or notes. I know for me, when my mom died suddenly, um, it was her, the tape in her answering machine because that and one other little cassette tape that she had made for me when I was away, I was actually working in a Christian ministry for a couple of years and she sent me a tape of, she was taking care of my parrot and she sent me a cassette tape of the parrot and her talking to each other. My parrot was D'Artagnan and he was talking and he was laughing and she was talking to him and I had that. And then the only other thing I had, because I don't know, we weren't a family really that we never had moving pictures and, you know, like taking videos and things like that. I, I had still pictures, but the only other thing with her voice was the answering machine tape. That where you know, hi, you've reached, you've reached Fonda. This is you know, and it was precious to me because this was my mother's voice. I would never hear her voice again. So I remember writing an article, which I never did sit down to get published, but I did take to a writers' conference, and there was interest in it. But I just was in a space right then where I wasn't. Uh, I was working on it. I was an editor, as I said, and I was working on other people's writing, but. It was called Leaving More Than a Trace because much as I loved Alexandra Johnson's book about journaling and a diary, I thought, what if we were gone suddenly? I, what, I, when I found my mom's poetry and when we went through her house, <clears throat> there were things, and then there were some things that, are, that I think she would have wanted certain people to have, but I didn't know that. And I thought, well, what if we made a box? <laughs> what if I made a box and I put things in it that I wanted people to have and things that I just wanted to make sure that they got to someone? Like, I don't know, maybe someday my daughter might want to see my journals. Um, maybe I had a, a watch that um, my mother had given me that I wanted to make sure that uh, would go to her. And I had a friend who um, had this I had this one bracelet that she just always loved, and so I wanted to make sure that that went to her because I knew that it would be something that connected us once I was gone, if I should leave suddenly. And we never know when we might leave suddenly. So I wrote a little article about making a box called Leaving More Than a Trace. And so what I wanted to talk to you today about is not so even so much that, although it might be a great idea if you're interested in doing that, <clears throat> but about, excuse me, but about leaving something. And last night, going to the writer's salon and just um, thinking about some of these amazing people, like Barbara DeMarco Barrett has a book called Pen on Fire about, um, it's a woman's guide to the igniting the writer within, but it's really uh, every woman, every person's guide. It's got wonderful helps for um, writing and 
And I thought, that's, that's a wonderful thing that she's leaving in the world for us, a, a, a part of Barbara and a part of what she does and is good at. And, and when she, if she's ever gone and I'm still here, it's like, oh, my gosh, I have my pen on fire that Barbara signed for me. <clears throat> and last night, I got a copy of USA Noir. These are dark stories. T. Jefferson Parker and Barbara DeMarco Barrett both have stories in there, so I got it. I got it uh, signed, and one of my passions is I love used books. So if you've been around for a while, you know that I love used books, and I especially love books that have inscriptions in them because I wonder who are these people and what was going on with them. So I want to talk to you a little this morning about um, the possibility of you leaving a diary or a journal or something, even if you just get up one of the get one of those books, you know, where you, a list of yourself, <laughs> and uh, because some people will want more once you're not here. You may not believe it, but I do believe that it's true. The wonderful woman I live with um, doesn't write. She's she's English. She's wonderful, very um, smart. She was a teacher, but I. She never wrote diaries or anything like that. And so I actually gave her a book uh, called The Book of Myself. And uh, I don't know if she's writing in it or anything, but I said, you know, over the years or something, you might want to write some things down in here and keep it somewhere, you know, in your safe, in your bedroom or something. So that once you're gone, your children have something, you know, they might not know why a certain color was your favorite color or that you really liked daffodils much more than, you know, roses or not, not that she does. She actually likes, loves cyclamen. Um, but I think that that, those are little things that people will, after, for some reason later on, it's like looking back at pictures and you go, oh, 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 I remember this or, oh, I don't remember this. <laughs> and um, so perhaps a journal or a diary is beyond your scope of endeavor right now, but maybe at least think about just picking up one of those little books. There's books about the list of myself, the book of myself, and you can keep it under lock and key. You can hide it. Um, But I'm going to share a little bit about that because I think sometimes we're so afraid that someone's going to find it. I'm going to take a little musical break because I've been talking much too long. If you'd like to email me again, I would love to hear from you at askanelf at yahoo.com. And, oh, because I also wanted to remind you just to, as we come back, we're going to hear a little bit from the professor and about some of the books. I won't say they were necessarily diaries, but they were certainly important books that are referred to in the works of Middle Earth. And we'll hear a little bit about that when we come back from the break. So with that, though, I'm going to play a little bit of Hobbit music for you. And we're going to get a special treat this morning. We're going to hear music from the Shire, from the complete recordings from the Fellowship of the Ring. This is KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. The views and opinions are those of the Elf host and do not necessarily represent those of UCI, KUCI, or the UC Board of Regents. And I'll be back in a few moments. KUCI in Irvine. 
KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, and that is the amazing voice of Ian McKellen as Gandalf, and that's music from the Shire, from the Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the Ring, the complete recordings. Welcome back to What Would Arwen Do? And so we're talking this morning about... Leaving a Trace, Leaving a Trace of Yourself, and this wonderful little book <clears throat> that you might want to think about picking up. It's not a new book. Alexandra Johnson, and it's funny because I was Googling her and looking for her. Um, I believe she's still teaching. Uh, it says she teaches writing at Wellesley College and the Harvard Extension School where she won the James E. Conway Award for Distinguished Teaching of Writing. This book was published in 2002? Yeah, no, I'm sorry, 2001, right? Because I I did find it um, right after 9-11, or just before, right about that same time. And But it's still, I mean, 15 years later, it's just an amazing book, Leaving a Trace, and it's now out in paperback. I have several hard copies. And it's on keeping a journey journal, the art of transforming a life into stories. And I was going to read to you from the introduction. It's just amazing how she uh, was given a diary that really changed her. Um, But I don't know that I... Okay, yes, I'm going to read it. This is from the introduction. No, I'm actually not going to read it. I'm going to have... I'm going to invite you to come and read it. But I am going to read to you from the back part where she talks about the final state of one's journals, especially for those of you who may be afraid or thinking, oh my gosh, what if it fell into the wrong hands? But... One of the things is that she's she was given this diary um, by the a person who was the sole survivor of a family who she um, she bought this house from, and so this was um, Elizabeth Howe's diary, and it chronicled a twenty one year old music teacher secretly thrilled by solitude love letters, fresh peaches wrapped in tissue. I am reading from the introduction here. Ice storms filigreeing the windows at night with crystal spider webs. And um, she asked questions about, you know, um, she was actually chronicling, she was given a task. It says, uh, the details from her diary lingered in my mind all afternoon, but I found that one nagged in particular a detail. To earn pocket money, Elizabeth and her sister spent a mild May afternoon copying names from gravestones into a ledger. The cemetery was soon to be relocated. On that bright spring day, she noted, the air was, quote, sharp with lilac. It was a change from bitter winter winters whose winds had eroded so many tombstones. To trace the oldest names, she ran her fingers over the hollowed grooves, like Braille. 
I wondered, as she traced those ancient New England names, copied for pennies a name, if she was haunted by how many had been lost to memory. Here were lives as blank as their slate markers. The next day, her diary stops its complaining. The entries are longer. Suddenly, the pages pages question if she has talent as a pianist. Or, as she wondered in her journal, was her destiny instructing thankless pupils forever? So Alexandra becomes very intrigued. Who was this person? And she does go on to say, I'll never know the answers. (laughs) So keeping a journal, what if someone finds it? Well, in the last... Uh, part of the book here. There's a little section called The Final Fate of One's Journals. And it has a quote from Samuel Pepys. And thus ends all that I doubt I shall ever be able to do with my own eyes in the keeping of my journal. Samuel Pepys ended his famous diary as he went blind. His diaries, preserved for posterity, have never been out of print. What life, if any, will one's own journals have? Worried about leaving writing that may hurt others or leave a false impression, some consider burning a lifetime of journals. Those who have all tell me it's one of the greatest regrets of their lives. So if you have journals, my dear friends, please don't burn them. Lock them away somewhere for now, but please don't burn them. Here at the turn of the new millennium, which that was in 2001, it is now 15 years uh, later, There are no such inhibitions for thousands, and I guess now I say thousands upon thousands, who post diary entries daily on the internet, on sites like Open Pages or Meta Journals. Of course, we have now have Facebook and all of that, lots of blogs, and exhibitionists or voyeurs' paradise. Public airwaves now buzz with private thoughts. But as an entry can be erased in an icy electronic blip, for many the need is simply to connect, find an audience for writing, shatter isolation. In the end, it's not privacy or secrecy that most people say haunts them when they think of journals. It's not leaving a trace. Permanence, not secrecy, guides them. And this is a little excerpt from... Leaving a Trace on Keeping a Journal, The Art of Transforming a Life into Stories. I'm seriously thinking about starting a journal writing group. (laughs) I was going to join a writer's group to work on my some other things, but I'm thinking maybe I'll just start a journal writer's group or a diary writer's group. So that is a wonderful little book that you might want to think about getting. Um, So even if you're not writing journals right now or you're a little nervous about a diary, maybe get one of those list books. Those are fairly safe. Something that's something of you that chronicles something about you where you too, you know, disappear suddenly. We never know what a day holds. And uh, this is terribly, frightfully true for me recently. Um, I have a friend whose daughter just went in for surgery on Thursday came home in recovery, everything seemed to be fine, didn't feel well, went back to the hospital, and was gone from the planet Saturday morning. Two days later, um, they still don't know exactly what, but, you know, 
young woman, a lawyer, five-year-old child, now gone, uh, passed from the circles of this world, leaves a husband and a child who will miss her greatly. And we just never know. So this brings me to my next, uh, the next book that I want to share with you. Uh, I believe I talked to you a little bit in weeks past about Natalie Goldberg's book, Writing Down the Bones. Uh, she wrote that in Wild Mind. Writing Down the Bones is one of the go-to books, you know, for uh, the writing life. And I shared that I had discovered somehow in the books that I um, accumulate her and uh, a memoir by her called The Long Quiet Highway, Waking Up in America. And I know I picked it up because it had her name on it, and also it had an inscription. So um, it was just very interesting to me when I was doing some of my research through my books um, with regards to Umberto Eco, Leaving the Circles of This World, that I came across this book by Natalie Goldberg. And I love it. It's actually a, kind of talks about her. Um, it says, okay, now Natalie Goldberg takes us on her own wonderful journey of awakening from the profound sleep of a suburban childhood, from the high school English classroom where she first listened to the rain to her 15 years as a student of Zen Buddhism. She captures both the moments of illumination and the long discipline of daily practice, the hilarity of error and the grief of our resistance to change. And it's a wonderful book um, about that, but it's always interesting to me. I always seem to find the stories within the stories. And and I love those because as I read this, to me, it's it's so much even more. There are so many nuggets and wonderful things about the writing life and about uh, the creative life. And to me, her her kind of experience with working with a Zen master, um, to me, is, is somewhat secondary uh, in my interest in reading this book. So that you may find that rather strange. I promised you before we had the break that there was a tie-in here to Middle Earth. Well, many of you may know the Lord of the Rings, and in the movie, I'm going to play a little excerpt here from the movie for you, which is uh, Frodo's speech before they leave for the Grey Havens, and he is <clears throat> he's closing the book that he got from Bilbo, and has made his entries about the events that transpired during the War of the Ring. So I'm going to play for you this little excerpt, um, and if you want to find it, it's on YouTube. It's called Frodo, Frodo's Speech. And closing the book. This is from Fellowship of the Ring. Mr. Frodo? What is it? It's been four years to the day since where the top sat. It's never really healed. There and back again. The Hobbit's Tale by Bilbo Baggins And The Lord of the Rings by Frodo Baggins Have you finished it? Not quite There's room for a little more 
yes. That's an excerpt from the movie The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring, and Frodo gives the book to Sam and says, there's room for a little more. And um, so there's talk if you want to find out the story about the books, which is part of the story of The Lord of the Rings. Um, that's the red book, and there are appendices in the back of the book. And um, I want to read just this little part at the end of Appendix A where it says, um, here follows one of the last notes in the Red Book. And so again, we get this little glimpse into things that we would not have otherwise known about. We have heard tell that Legolas took Gimli, Gloin's son, with him because of their great friendship. And this is when Legolas went into the West. Greater than any that has been between elf and dwarf. If this is true, then it is strange indeed that a dwarf should be willing to leave Middle-earth for any love, or that the Eldar should receive him, or that the lords of the, re of the West should permit it. But it is said that Gimli went also out of desire again to see again the beauty of Galadriel, and it may be that she, being mighty among the Eldar, obtained this grace for him. More cannot be said." of this matter. And so there's actually in the prologue to Lord of the Rings, a lot of information about the books and what happened and uh, the hobbits who became very much interested in finding out about their history and writing it down. So all through, we, we, I guess it's just, um, if I could do something to ignite in you some uh, fire of passion that your life makes a difference. And you may not think it does. Maybe you think, oh, I'm, you know, I'm just driving the kids. And, you know, who cares about it? But you are a person who has thoughts and feelings and views about things. And there are people that care. You talk to your children all day long. Someday, today, today they may be rolling their eyes at you. But 30 years from now, they may love to be able to pick up a journal, a diary of something that you, just thoughts that you wrote down during this time of your life, when perhaps maybe you are no longer around, and it will mean so much more to them, and in such a different way, perhaps, than it means today when you say some little thing, you know, pretty is as pretty does, and they roll their eyes at you, um, or you, you know, remind them that we don't have cell phones at the dinner table, but um, just think about it. And if you have journals, please consider not burning them or destroying them. Lock them away somewhere until you can think more about it. So I wanted to tell you a little more, though, about this book uh, that I got of Nath Natalie Goldberg's and how I was looking through it today and getting all these gems encouraging me about writing. But I discovered as... Um, Alexandra did when she found that diary. These little clues, and as I mentioned, I love books that are used, and especially books that have inscriptions. And I noticed, oh my gosh, this book has an inscription from March this month of 1993. So that was 23 years ago. The inscription says, we landed in the same family. We recognized Wild Mind, which is another of Natalie Goldberg's books, we recognize Wild Mind at the same instant. Natalie will be here next week. Serendipity with a big question mark. 
to my beloved friend slash Aunt Marilee, writer with love, Kathy. So 23 years ago this month, Natalie Goldberg was coming, probably here to Orange County, because I got this book in Newport Beach used bookstore. And Kathy buys this book, gives it to her friend, Marilee. On the back page, so I'm looking through the book, and one of the things I discover is, oh my gosh, it's signed by Natalie Goldberg. So they probably went to the event, and Natalie signed it for her. Then as I'm looking through the book, I discover what I hadn't discovered before, that there's all these passages that are marked, little things out in the margins, like um, on this one page, it talks about... um, uh, thank you, thank you, thank you. I know what I have received. And um, it's underlined. It says, but a teacher does not teach to receive presents. That is the work of a teacher. And she has written out in the the um, margin here, the work of a teacher. And then she has a little thing up at the top. It says, don't act as though you're going to live forever. And that's one of the things that... Um, that Natalie's um, uh, mentor, Roshi, had said to her, he told us, we act as though we were going to live forever. Wake up, he said. And she had written that uh, also out in the in the margin. So I was so intrigued. And so I'm thinking, oh my gosh, so I have this charming note from Kathy to her beloved aunt when I was growing up. My saving grace in life was my aunt, my aunt Berber. Her name was actually Laverne, but uh, it was my mom's sister. She was the only one who loved, who thought I was pretty, who thought I was smart, who always wanted to read my poem, who invited me over and bought me the the little uh, record Sunny and let me sit on her bed with her record player and play it over and over and over for hours and hours. And, um, but she was my saving grace. She was my Aunt Berber. And here we have Kathy, who buys this book 23 years ago and gives it to her aunt. And then her aunt uses the book. I mean, she... At first I thought, oh, are these Kathy's notes? No, it wouldn't be, because it's because it's Marilee's book. And as I'm leafing through it, and I'm finding all these little things that she's written, I'm like, it's so... It's just so wonderful. Here I have this glimpse, glimpse not only into Natalie's life, the life of the writer, but also into Kathy and Marilee, who I don't know their last names. I shall never be able to meet them, but I kind of feel like I know them and like I have a connection with them. And then this, this was the most wonderful thing because it was just, well, let me read you the quote that Marilee wrote, it must have been Marilee because it's written in the back and it's written in the same hand as the notes in the book. And the quote is from Maya Angelou. And it says, if one is lucky, a solitary fantasy can transform a million realities. And I just noticed that this morning as I was doing my research and I thought, oh my gosh, that's exactly what happened to me when I went to see The Fellowship of the Ring. When I saw that movie, something happened. I tell my friends I experienced, I think, what C.S. Lewis called a baptism of the imagination. I got it about the power of a story. I all of a sudden was no longer a nonfiction snob. 
I fell in love with mythic stories in the hero quest, and I always had been. I just didn't realize it. But the Fellowship of the Ring opened such an amazing world to me. And so Maya says, if one is lucky, a solitary fantasy, one little movie, one little book, one little something even in your own brain, maybe it's a book that you write, but a solitary fantasy can transform a million realities. All those mundane things of our everyday life, doing the laundry, washing the dishes, making the bed, brushing our teeth, we do them day after day, year after year, decade after decade. But perhaps a single fantasy can transform those. C.S. Lewis talks about the power of myth and how sometimes dipping a story in myth has the power to transform it. For a little boy, if he pretends that the meat he's eating in his sandwich is buffalo that he has just killed with his own bow and arrow, the sandwich is richer for having been dipped in a story. And with that, I will leave you, my friends. Until next week, I am Tani Tanuville, the resident KUCI Middle Earth Elf. I hope you've gotten something today to take away with you. If you if you don't feel that you are up to writing a journals or a diary, find a book. And even if it's not the book of me or a list of me, find a book that interests you and maybe just start writing in the margins, your own thoughts and notes. I did this once with uh, The Alchemist. And the, my little copy, my first copy of The Alchemist by Paolo Coelho is actually like a little mini journal for me because it chronicles some things that I was going through at that time. And I even rewrote some of the passages of the book and made them in the fem- feminine gender because they were, instead of about the little shepherd boy, it was about the elf and things that were happening to her. And that was back in 2004, I think. And I still look at that book and laugh because it takes me back to that time and what was going on with me and things I was discovering and um, possibilities that were opening up to me because it was a big uh, time in my life when my life was changing. My marriage uh, was going away and all of a sudden I was faced with a future that I had no idea where it was going to go from there. So... Please stick around four minutes from now. Writers on Writing, I believe Marie Stone is in the house and will be helping you discover those things that you need to get inspired and to get published. So please stay with us here on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. You can listen to us through the radio airwaves. And you can also find us uh, through iTunes and through our website. You can listen right through our website at KUCI.org. So with that, my dear friends, uh, again, if you'd like to email me, I'd love to hear from you at askanelf at yahoo.com. And I will leave you with a little Middle Earth music from Howard Shore. Let's hear um, a little more Hobbit music and then end with Button Dreams and with a little dedication to dear Gina, who has passed from the circles of this world, and also to beloved Umberto Echo, who just a few weeks ago passed from the circles of this world as well. This is KUCI 88.9 FM. Until next week, Elin Selalumin Nomentielvo, a star shines on the hour of our meeting. Namariel.